Did perimenopause or menopause catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me, too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Jean Andrus, the menopause guru, and this is Menopause Matters, where we talk all things menopause. And today, I'd like to talk to you about some of the physical things that are going on that cause the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and I just don't know what's going on in my life, changes that we see with menopause. So we're going to talk about the hormones that drive our menstrual cycle and how that changes and what that does to our body. But not only those hormones, but we will also want to talk about the hormones that get affected by those um, female hormones. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, the six or 60 hormones that af- get affected by menopause. So real quick, during our reproductive years, if we're not on hormonal birth control and we're not pregnant, what happens is we have two hormones that come from our pituitary gland that control our our cycle. One is called follicle-stimulating hormone, which is released from the pituitary to encourage the growth of a follicle or a, a casing for the ovum and the interior ovum so that that matures and eventually ovulates. The other one is the luteinizing hormone, and that job is to actually trigger the ovulation of that mature ovum. So those happen up in our brains and really don't affect much else other than transmitting that signal down into our ovaries. But the important ones are estrogen and progesterone, which are made in our ovaries and they're made in in our uterus. And they're made as part of the ovulation cycle. So estrogen goes up during the, uh, really important. Do you know what the day one of your cycle is? I never did. So don't be, don't be embarrassed if you didn't. I never did. It wasn't until I started studying this and started reading it and trying to explain it to people that I just, it finally sunk into me that day one is the first day of your period. So that's the first day of your 23 to 35 day cycle, whatever is normal for you, if if indeed you have a normal. Some women do, some women don't. 28 days is just an average. So day one of your cycle, estrogen and progesterone are relatively low. 
as you go through your cycle, estrogen increases to build up your uterine lining for the next cycle. So you're shedding one, one uterine lining and that's releasing estrogen and estrogen builds up to trigger the build, the new buildup of your uterine lining. Towards the middle of that cycle, when that luteinizing hormone is released and you ovulate, estrogen drops again, or drops. At that time, when the, when the ovum is released, the follicle, which had been surrounding the ovum, becomes what's known as a corpus luteum or corpus uh, body luteum. And when it, its job is to produce as much progesterone and some estrogen as it can in that little period of time for your next period. So your progesterone spikes way high, your estrogen comes up slightly, and then they both fall in that week before your period. That's what happens before you hit perimenopause. So what happens once you do hit perimenopause is that ovum never matures. So in the little luteinizing hormone, the LH comes down and says, release the egg. So like release the Kraken, huh? It goes to release it, but it doesn't, it isn't actually viable. So it just kind of disintegrates and no progesterone is therefore released and very little estrogen is released, but you did have estrogen building up in the earlier part of your, of your cycle. So estrogen, you probably have released more estrogen than you have progesterone. So progesterone levels are very, very low for that cycle. While your estrogen levels may be around normal, a little bit lower than normal. Remember that because that's that's an important piece. The next cycle that comes along, you may ovulate. You may have a ovum that reaches ovulation ovulates with the luteinizing hormone coming through and the follicle becomes the corpus luteum and releases the progesterone and everything goes back to normal. This can happen on a varying cycle. You never know really what's happened, whether you've ovulated or not. Some women are very sensitive to their ovulation, so you may feel that or you may not feel that. Um, I never did never did feel, I'm sorry, I just wasn't that attuned to it. So I didn't feel my ovulations for the most part. So what happens is you have these cycles where you don't actually ovulate. They're called anovulatory cycles. And the more of them you have, the lower your progesterone and the lower your estrogen. Those are our female hormones. Now, they affect a huge number of things in our bodies, especially estrogen. So the truth of the matter is that estrogen, there are receptors in every cell in your body for estrogen, which means that every cell in your body is looking for a little bit of estrogen to do its job better. So it's producing energy, building bone, building fluid around your your joints to cushion them, all of those things that your, your body does. 
all of the functions of your cells and your organs, of your bones and your muscles work less well. Oh my, not good, huh? Progesterone has receptors in a large number of places in your body. So there's a lot of things that are affected when the levels of estrogen and the levels of progesterone are too low. And for estrogen also, when estrogen is out of balance with progesterone or too high. So you can have both of those conditions. And a lot of our symptoms come from these estrogen imbalances and estrogen and progesterone imbalances. So that's a huge number of the over 100 symptoms that I have identified come from estrogen and progesterone uh, imbalances. Things like uh, achy joints, things like osteoporosis, things like heart palpitations, hot flashes, um, mood swings. Moods are often um, correlated with estrogen and progesterone. Anxiety, depression, all of these things can come from these levels of estrogen and progesterone that aren't what they need to be. But there's more to it than that. Because estrogen is not just going into cells. It's also interacting with other hormones. And I say there are four big ones. So these are the four that I, I work with all the time. The first is cortisol. Cortisol is produced in your adrenal glands, which are two little walnut-sized glands that sit on top of your kidneys. And their job is to make our stress hormones, cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine. Epinephrine and norepinephrine are also known by the names of adrenaline and noradrenaline. And they are your excitement and uh, rapid response fear hormones. So if you see a snake in the road and you don't like snakes and you panic, that's going to be an adrenaline or an epinephrine response. It's a fast fight or flight, fight, flight, or freeze um, reaction. It's the true danger, danger, Will Robinson hormone. Norepinephrine and noradrenaline are sort of the excitement versions of that. So if you like roller coasters, for say, for example, or skiing or water skiing or any kind of high intensity sport, what's likely to be being released is noradrenaline or norepinephrine, which also excites dopamine and endorphins in your brain, which make you feel good. Um, that doesn't work so much if you're terrified of what you're doing. So if, um, let's say, jumping out of a perfectly good airplane uh, is my favorite, favorite example. When I did that, and yes, it's fun. But when I did it, I was terrified. And so the response was probably not noradrenaline. It was probably not norepinephrine. It was actually epinephrine. It was fight or flight or freeze, and I pretty much froze. Um, I did, once I got, got out of the plane, it was fabulous, and I highly recommend it for anybody who, who thinks they can handle it. Um, but, but the thing that was important, that's important to hear here, is cortisol 
is a super important hormone in our body, and it is there to handle medium to long-term stress. And medium to long-term stress to our bodies because of the way we evolved as, as humans means famine. It doesn't mean traffic jams. It doesn't mean overdue papers for school or overdue projects for work or bosses that are always on your case or whatever that is. That's all modern. But what historically meant medium and long-term stress was famine. So cortisol's job is to keep us alive during famine, which means it cuts our it cuts our metabolism rate, it cuts our usage of calories, it ups storage of free sugars into uh, fat, and it's that's why we talk about stress and cortisol as being uh, contributing to weight gain. Cortisol is modulated by estrogen. So cortisol is brought down by estrogen. And so when estrogen drops, the effects of cortisol are more intense. And what that means is that instead of being able to think our way through problems, we get more anxious, we get more fearful, we have panic attacks. Uh, cortisol affects us more drastically. So that's number one. Number two is insulin. Now, you may have heard of insulin with type 2 diabetes and maybe even type 1 diabetes. And insulin's job is to take sugar from our blood and put it into cells where it can be used for energy and then put any extra into fat cells for storage. And this is because sugar is a corrosive substance and it actually will damage our blood vessels and our cells if it's just refloating around. So it, it damages cell walls, it damages blood vessels. And that's why Insulin's job is to clean it out of the bloodstream and put it away so that it's there when we need it, either in muscles for energy or bones for uh, rebuilding or into um, fat cells for storage. Insulin works better in the, when estrogen is at its normal levels. So insulin is more likely to be able to put extra sugar into normal cells, it's more likely to be able to talk cells. <laughs> its job is to talk cells into taking the sugar it has. And if it can't do that, you're in a condition known as insulin re resistance. Well, cortisol, first of all, wants to send that sugar to fat so that it's stored for the, for the famine. And Insulin is also looking for estrogen to make it work better. So things like insulin resistance are symptoms of having too little estrogen. Now, there are things you can do about that. There's a lot you can do about insulin resistance. But one of the reasons it becomes a problem for women in their 
mid to late 40s and 50s is this lack of estrogen to help it work better. And then we get to thyroid. And you'll you'll see a pattern here. Thyroid works better in the presence of estrogen. So thyroid is our metabolism uh, regulator. It sits at the bottom, uh, the thyroid gland sits at the bottom of our throat. And it's a little butterfly-shaped um, gland. And it puts out um, thyroid hormone, which regulates our metabolism. So it ups our metabolism and, and tamps it down as we need it. So part of that job is to keep it lower at night and higher during the day so that you're awake. Um, some of that is to make your metabolism work better uh, when you demand more of it. So when you're exercising, that you have the energy to do that. Um, it, it determines the burn rate of uh, sugar and fat in your cells. And that's what it's doing. Well, it works better in the presence of estrogen. Yay! Estrogen goes down. Thyroid levels don't work as well. And there's other, there are other, there are a lot of pieces, parts to this. And it's part of what I do with individual clients and in um, larger, longer seminars, I go into how some of these things work. But thyroid actually is a very complex situation where there's an inactive and an active, and the inactive gets translated into the active version. And then you have things that allow allow it to be uptaken uptaken into your cells. All of these things can get messed up when there's not enough estrogen. So that's cortisol, insulin, thyroid. And the last one that we're going to talk about today is testosterone. And testosterone is the male hormone, is one of a complex of male hormones, but it's probably the most important. And it helps you build muscle. It helps your libido stay strong. And it's, it's a lot of your motivation. So a lot of your motivation comes from testosterone. And it's kind of what gives you the male side of your personality, where estrogen is, is pushing the female side of your, your, your personality. Um, and the way that plays out in your life prior to menopause is is on a continuum. Some women are very, very strong in the testosterone side and some women aren't. So it's it's a continuum. But we all need a little bit of it to help us build muscle and to be a little bit more assertive um, and to Help our help our libido out. Our, our sex drive um, is also very tied into testosterone. So testosterone goes down as a function of age. It goes down a certain percentage each decade, and that happens for men and women as well. Which is why men have something similar, but not identical to menopause called andropause. Is that steady long-term decline in testosterone. 
But testosterone can also get out of balance with estrogen. It can be too high or it can be too low in comparison to the estrogen you have. And therefore, it's not doing its job in relationship to that estrogen. So there we have six hormones, six, five, six, seven, six, that are primarily non-neurotransmitters that are involved in menopause. We also have some others that are peripherally involved or um, decline as we age, but we also have neurotransmitters and brain hormones in effect that are affected by estrogen, things like serotonin, dopamine, um, endorphins, oxytocin. Um, those are just four of them that their job is to make us feel good. And again, they work better in the presence of estrogen. So what this all means is as you go through menopause and you notice all these changes and all these changes are happening to you, you can think you're going crazy. But the truth is, you're not go going crazy. Your hormones are. Your hormones are changing. And therefore, the way you, your body works, the way you think, we haven't really talked about the brain impacts of these, but there are, these are real brain impacts. Uh, the way you feel, the way you perceive the world and perceive other people changes because the way your body is working, including the way your brain is working, has changed. We'll talk about that in another episode. Um, this stuff gets really, really deep. And I realize that it's very sciencey. Um, and it may not, may not feel like, why do I need to know this? Well, you need to know this. You need to at least have the background and have heard it because this is what's what you're going to be trying to fix as you go through this. And what we want to do is bring our hormones back into the best balance they can be, either naturally, and that's the way I prefer to do it, or through hormone replacement. And sometimes that's required. But in order to begin to balance it, you have to know what's out of balance. And that's where the symptoms come in. So the 100 symptoms that come from, um, the 100 or more symptoms that come from these changes in our hormone levels are all indicators of what's going wrong in our bodies, what's out of balance. And so we can then gently and naturally support our bodies to, to bring ourselves back in, into as best balance as we can. Now, the truth is, it's not going to be perfect. You're never going to be what you were when you were 20. But there's some gifts in that. And we'll get into that as we go. But for today, Remember, menopause starts with our female hormones, estrogen and progesterone, but it also affects four other major hormones in our bodies, 
cortisol, insulin, thyroid, and testosterone. And it also affects the brain neurotransmitters of serotonin, dopamine, endorphins, oxytocin, and probably a whole lot more that we just don't fully understand yet. If you're interested in how, what the, your symptoms are telling you about your body and your changes, I invite you to sign up for a hormone review with me and we'll go through what your symptoms are telling you and how you can begin to support your body to get back to the, the balance that you need, that you need to thrive. In just a moment, I'll be back with three things making me smile. Are you running on empty? Do you wake up in the morning feeling like you're done for the day before you even get out of bed? Menopause can do that to you. The changes in menopause echo throughout your body, causing symptoms like depression, anger, GERD, weight gain, insomnia, and fatigue. The symptoms can last for decades. I've helped hundreds of women get better sleep, wake up full of energy that lasts the whole day, and ditch all the other symptoms that were dragging them down. I'd like to offer you a free consultation with me to find out how you can take control of your menopause journey and feel better now. You can schedule your time to talk at menopause.guru slash consult. Hey, everybody. Three things making me smile today. Golf. Uh, my husband and I got to play golf for the first time in probably six months. He had, he has had some uh, physical issues. Um, Mardi Gras came along trips to to the Northland uh, came along. So we got out to play golf this week and it was just so much fun and reminded me how important it is to get out and do things that are active that make you happy. So I strongly recommend if it's not golf, if it's not, uh, if it's just taking a walk in the park or um, going roller skating or whatever it is that makes you smile, Get out and do something fun for you. Second thing that made me making me smile is my grandkids. Um, love my love my grandkids. Um, actually, kind of like the fact that they aren't right on top of me. <laughs> I know that's cool, but uh, it's true. the The cool thing about grandkids is you can give them back, and um, I've gotten to share some some time some FaceTime and some pictures of my grandkids this week and that's been really fun too. Um, the third thing making me smile today, broccoli. I don't know where that came from, but um, great vegetables make me smile. Great great dinners make me smile. Um, and for me that means a lot of veggies. I am not, no, I am not a vegetarian, cannot, get, cannot do without my meat. I am basically an omnivore, um, but I do love good spring vegetables. And in Louisiana, it's starting to be spring and we're starting to get those spring veggies. 
Next week, we have another great guest in, uh, coming up for you. Uh, my friend Kelly Buckley is going to be talking about Beautifully Confident. And I'm super excited to share what she's got to say with you as we move forward and want to feel and look our best as we go through these menopausal years. I'm John Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe to the podcast in order to get every episode. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you.